Chapter thirty four of Doom Castle. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Doom Castle by Neil Munro. Chapter thirty four. In Days of Storm. In a rigorous privacy of storm that lasted many days after his return, and cut doom wholly off from the world at large, Count Victor spent what but for several considerations would have been, perhaps indeed they really were, among the happiest moments of his life. It was good in that tumultuous weather, when tempests snarled and frosts fettered the countryside, and the sea continually wrangled round the rock of doom to look out on the inclemency from windows where olivia looked out too she used to come and stand beside him timidly perhaps at first but by and by with no self-consciousness her sleeve would touch his sometimes indeed her shoulder must press against his arm and little strands of hair almost blow against his lips as in the narrow apertures of the tower they watched the wheeling birds from the outer ocean for these birds she had what was little less than a passion to her they represented the unlimited world of liberty and endeavour at sight of them something stirred in her that was the gift of all the wandering years of that old ulysses her grandfather to whom the beckoning lights of ships at sea were irresistible and though she doted on the glance of her nativity she had the spirit that invests every hint of distant places and far-off happenings with magic parts she seemed content and yet not wholly happy he could hear her sometimes sigh as he thought from a mere wistfulness that had the illimitable space of the sea the peopled isles and their mystery for background to many of the birds that beat and cried about the place she gave names investing them with history recounting humorously their careers and it was odd that however far she sent them in her fancy to the distant ind to the vexed pole itself with joy in their travelling she assumed that their greatest joy was when they found themselves at doom the world was a place to fare forth in as far as you could only to give you the better zest for doom on your return this pleased her father hugely but it scarcely tallied with the views of one who had fond memories of a land where sang the nightingale in its season and roads were traversable in the wildest winter weather still count victor was in no mood to question it he was safe in rare moments of unpleasant reflection supremely happy thrilling to that accidental contact paling at the narrow margins whereby her hair escaped conferring on him a delirium he could stand at a window all day pretending interest in the monotonous hills and empty sea only that he might keep her there too and indulge himself upon her eyes they so eager deep and busied with the matters of her thoughts were enough for a common happiness a debauch of it was the contact of her arm and yet something in this commonplace of hers bewildered him 
here if you please was a woman who but the other night as it were was holding clandestine meetings with simon mactaggart and loving him to that extent that she defied her father she could not but know that this foreigner had done his worst to injure her in the inner place of her affections and yet she was to him more friendly than she had been before several times he was on the point of speaking on the subject once indeed he made a playful allusion to the flautist of the bower that was proactive of no more than a reddened cheek and an interlude of silence but tacitly the lover was a theme for strict avoidance not even the baron had a word to say on that and they were numberless the topics they discussed in this enforced sweet domesticity a curious household how it found provisions in these days mungo alone could tell the little man had his fishing lines out continually his gun was to be heard in neighbouring thickets that seemed from the island inaccessible and when the gun and line failed him it was perhaps not wholly wanting his persuasion that cane fowls came from the hamlet expressly for her ladyship olivia in the pauses of the wind he and annapla were to be heard in other quarters of the house in claimant conversation otherwise it seemed to count victor that doom was left an enchanted castle to him and olivia alone for the father relapsed anew into his old strange melancholies dozing over his books indulging faint and reposed in the chapel overhead or gazing moodily along the imprisoned coast that he was free to dress now as he chose in his beloved tartan entertained him only briefly obviously half the joy of his former recreations in the chapel had been due to the fact that they were clandestine now that he could wear what he chose indoors he pined that he could not go into the deer-haunted woods and the snowy highways in the breakenness of old but that was not his only distress count victor was sure what accounts for your father's melancholy he had the boldness one day to ask olivia they were at the window together amused at the figure mungo presented as with an old travesty of the soldier's strategy and all unseen as he fancied he chased a foal round the narrow confines of the garden bent upon its slaughter and you do not know the reason for that she asked with her humour promptly clouded and a loving and pathetic glance over her shoulder at the figure bent beside the fire what is the dearest thing to you she could have put no more embarrassing question to count victor and it was no wonder he stammered in his reply the dearest he repeated ah well well the dearest mademoiselle olivia ma foi there are so many things yes yes she said impatiently but only one or two are at the heart's core she saw him smile at this and reddened oh how stupid i am to ask that of a stranger i did not mean a lady if there is a lady there is a lady said count victor twisting the fringe of her shawl that had come off itself into his fingers as she turned a silence followed not even he so versed in all the evidence of love or coquetry could have seen a quiver to betray her even if he had thought to look for it i am the one said she at length who will wish you well in that but after her after this this lady what is it that comes closest 
what but my country cried he with a surging sudden memory of france to be sure she acquiesced your country i am not wondering at that and ours is the closest to the core of course in us that have not perhaps so kind a country as yours but still must love it when it is most cruel we are like the folks i have heard of they were the greeks who travelled so far among other clans upon the trade of war and bound to burst in tears when they came after strange hills and glens to the sight of the same sea that washed the country of their infancy thalatta was it not that they cried when i read the story first in school in edinburgh i cried myself lochfin and thought i heard the tide rumbling upon this same rock it is for that it is because we must be leaving here my father is sad here indeed was news leaving said count victor in astonishment it is so my father has been robbed his people have been foolish it is not a new thing in the highlands of scotland count victor you must not be thinking him a churl to be moping and leaving you to my poor entertainment for it is ill to keep the pipes in tune when one is drying tears where will you go asked count victor disturbed at the tidings and the distress she so bravely struggled to conceal where indeed said olivia that i cannot tell you yet but the world is wide and it is strange if there is any spot of it where we cannot find some of our own gaelic people who have been flitting for a generation taking the world for their pillow what is it that shall not come to an end my sorrow this story on our door down there has been preparing me for this since ever i was a bairn my great-great-grandfather was the wise man and the far-seeing when he carved it there man behold the end of all be not wiser than the highest hope in god she struggled courageously with her tears that could not wholly be restrained and there and then he could have gathered her into his arms but he must keep himself in bounds and twist the fringes of her shawl ah olivia said he you will die for the sight of home at that she dashed her hand across her eyes and boldly faced him smiling that would be a shameful thing in a baron's daughter said she no indeed when we must rise and go away here is the woman who will go bravely we will not live in glens in this house nor in that but in the hearts that love us and where my father is and friends are to be made i think i can be happy yet look at the waves there and the snow and the sea-birds all these are in other places as well as here but not the same but not the same here i swear i could live content myself what said she smiling and the rogue a moment dancing in her eyes no no count victor to this you must be born like the stag in the quarry and the seal on the rock we are a simple people and a poor people worse fortune poor and proud your world is different from ours and there you will have friends that think of you and you said he all aglow in passion but with a face of flint you are leaving those behind that love you too this time he watched her narrowly she gave no sign there are the poor people in the clachan there said she some of them will not forget me i am hoping but that is all 
we go it is good for us perhaps something has been long troubling my father more than the degradation of the clans and all these law pleas that petullo has now brought to the bitter end he is proud and he is what is common in the highlands when the heart is sore he is silent you must not think it is for myself i am vexing to leave doom castle it is for him look do you see the dark spot on the side of the hill yonder up at ardno that is the yew tree in the churchyard where my mother his wife lies it is no wonder that at night sometimes he goes out to look at the hills for the hills are over her there and over the generations of his people in the same place i never knew my mother but he remembers and it is the hundred dollars as we say for him to part for me i have something of the grandfather in me and would take the seven bends for it and the seven glens and the seven mountain moors if it was only for the sake of the adventure though i should always like to think that i would come again to these places of heredity and through all this never a hint of simon mactaggart could there be any other conclusion than the joyous one it made his heart bound that the affair was at an end and yet how should he ascertain the truth about a matter so close upon his heart he put his pride in his pocket and went down that afternoon with the chamberlain's coat in his hands there was a lull in the wind and the servitor was out of doors caulking the little boat the argosy of poor fortunes which had been drawn up from the menacing tides so that its prow obtruded on the half-hearted privacy of the lady's bower deer were on the shore one sail was on the blue of the sea a long way off a triumphant flash of sun lit up the innumerable glens a pleasant interlude of weather and yet mungo was in what he called himself a tiravee he was honestly becoming impatient with this undeparting foreigner mainly because annapla was day by day the more insistent that he had not come wading into doom without boots entirely in vain and that her prediction was to be fulfilled see mungo said the count the daw if my memory fails me not had his plumes packed off him but i seem fated to retain my borrowed feathers until i pluck myself is it that you can have them at the first opportunity restored to our connoisseur in conte your friend the chamberlain it comes to occur to me that the gentleman's wardrobe may be as scanty as my own and the absence of his coat may be the reason more than my unfortunate pricking with a bodkin for his inexplicable absence from-from the lady's side mungo had heard of the duel of course it was the understanding in doom that all news was common property inasmuch as it was sometimes almost the only thing to pass around huh said he it was not say ill to jag a man that had a wound already expiscate good master mungo said count victor wondering what wound already you speak of the gentleman's susceptible heart perhaps i speak of nothing of the kind but of the man's arm ye can find ye gate him with a push wi your winger that first night he came here with his fensible gang frae the metalands and play-acted black andy araqua the devil cried count victor i wounded somebody certainly but till now i had no notion it might be the gentleman himself well let me do him the justice to say he made rather pretty play with his weapon upon the sands considering he was wounded 
and so honest mungo the garrison was not really taken by surprise that night you found yourself plucked out like the periwinkle from your wicket a frankness is in fashion i may say that for a while i gave you credit for treason to the house and treason now it seems to have been though not so black as i thought it was mactaggart who asked you to open the door what else a bonny like cantrip nay doot it was because i told him annapla's prophecy aboot a man with bare feet the dale's bookie ye can't hear so brawly what it was ay master mungo faith not i mungo looked incredulous and what ails the ladyship for she can't i'll swear she can't the next day though i took good care not to say cheap i dare say you are mistaken there my good mungo mistaken not me it wasn't altogether in a tantrum or an ordinary kind she broke her tryst wi him the very nicht after ye left for the inns doon by at any rate if she dinna ken then she kens no i'll warrant not so far as i'm concerned certainly mungo looked incredulous that any one should let go the chance of conveying so rare a piece of gossip to persons so immediately concerned was impossible of belief na na said he shaking his head she has every word at her feyther at least and that's the same thing but shoon or nae shoon yon's the man for my money again he has my felicitations said count victor with a good humour unfailing indeed he could afford to be good-humoured if this were true so there was the explanation of olivia's condescension her indifferent to her lover's injury of which her father could not fail to have appraised her even if mungo had been capable of a miracle and held his tongue the chamberlain then was no longer in favour here was joy count victor could scarce contain himself how many women have been flattered at the fierceness of devotion implied in a lover's readiness to commit assassination out of sheer jealousy of a supposititious rival in her affections but olivia praise le bon dieu was not like that he thrust the coat into mungo's hands and went hurriedly up to his room to be alone with his thoughts that he feared might show themselves plainly in his face if he met either the lady or her father and there for the first time had a memory of cecile some odd irrelevance of a memory in which she figured in a mask in a paris garden good god that he should have failed to see it before this cecile had been an actress as he told himself where most of her sex he had hitherto encountered and it was doubtful if he once had touched her soul olivia had shown him now in silences in sighs in some unusual aura of sincerity that was round her like the innocence of infancy that what he thought was love a year ago was but its drossy elements seeking the first woman in the eyes of the second he had found the perfect lover there End of chapter thirty four